Welcome to the Twin Geeks. It's Calvin here. I'm here with my friend Renee. How are you? Are you I'm good. excited? Uh, you know, there's uh, there's some crying allowed in podcasting, as uh, they always but there's say. There's no crying in baseball. But there's no crying in baseball. That's absolutely right. You you <laughs> might be the first guest who's ever dressed up for an episode, so I feel kind of honored. Uh, I didn't fully dress up. Only wore the hat. I didn't okay. wear like the full dress, so I did withhold a little bit of my enthusiasm for this film. Okay, you did go color scheme though, and you have I your did. pink on. Uh, you're one of the peaches uh, as did. of today. So, um, grateful to be joined by one of the peaches, and uh, you just have such a love for this film, like as evident by your um, your photo shoot you did uh, recently, and your cosplay around it, and uh, some of the emotional reactions you've told me about the film. I've even done karaoke in costume probably six years ago. I did the song Marlo Hooch does dressed as a peach and the DJ was like, what? And then he saw my costume and goes, Oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. Oh, and did I, he get it? Good. He, the DJ got it, but I did terrible on purpose, like complete yeah. enthusiasm, Marlo Hooch style, drunkenly making eyes to all the men in the audience. <laughs> and they're just like, this is really bad. And one person's like, Oh my gosh, I get it. It's from League of Their Own. Like they finally dawned on them, like what I was doing. But I went like a hundred percent, gave it all enthusiasm, and gave no talent. Like I tanked it. It was incredible. You need one person in the room who recognizes pure talent uh, when you have it, right? It's just as oh, long was, as someone it gets it. It was performance. It was performance. That was all I gave. It was all performance. All performance, and uh, we're here performing because I've just caught this for the first time. Uh, I was just... shocked. Yeah, when I was doing it, I was like, well, I know someone who's really into this. I should probably just like ping you and just see if you're willing to come on, because I think it could be a really fun conversation. I withheld a little um, bit of shame because you actually like sports and I don't like American sports. And I was surprised <laughs> that you actually hadn't seen this like, you know, historical sports movie. Yeah, I like, you know, hockey, baseball, soccer is kind of just my, you know, my baseball. role. Yeah, and not even so much baseball. It's like the idea of baseball, like being out at baseball or thinking of like my grandpa listened to baseball on the radio is like my idea of baseball. I grew uh, up going to the Mariners baseball at the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I've I've attended baseball as a youth, not so much as an adult. It's hard to make that choice. Like this year they introduced yeah. like a faster pitching clock. We don't need to get into like technicalities about baseball because you are making it clear you're not here for the American sports of it all. I don't uh, think I've attended a baseball game since probably maybe eight, nine years. Maybe more oh, wow. than that. Okay. No, no, probably 10 years. <laughs> and the Mariners are good now. There's all the reason to go. But they? Uh, yeah, they got to the playoffs for, you know, the first time in 30 years. Uh, they can be good. Um that might be like yeah. their ceiling, though. Um, but again, it's it's men's baseball, and this is a women's <laughs> all-American league movie, and so yes. it's very different. So the men go away to World War II, and there's like a giant hole in like American culture because baseball at that point really is like the pastime, like it was in Tokyo a couple of weeks ago, where ninety-six percent of the people were watching baseball on TV. That's how it was in America. Like you could go anywhere, you could go to the barber and you'd talk about baseball in the forties and it was actually just culturally dominant in a way like no sport can be now because we have so many divided interests and we don't have to care. Um, After work, it was an activity or on a, you know, Saturday or Friday night. It was something yeah. to take the family and go do as a wholesome activity. And we and didn't have televisions and, you know, uh, we had the radio and baseball and baseball played on the radio and that's all it needed. Right. Um, uh, we have the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League, which was formed around this time, which is like the center of what this film would be, which is a, a larger commentary even on like women taking up the jobs of men. And, you know, those like bold images you can imagine from that period of, of women entering industry and uh, beginning to kind of accumulate like workers' rights in a, a really profound way, uh, which, you know, wars are generally a negative thing but they lead to a lot of uh different things at the home front different uh dynamics of gender and uh um here how would you say it like they they kind of put on a show like it seemed like at first men were showing up because they could kind of watch women just on the field right like 
they're kind of like cat calling them from the stands at, at first and it's a little bit uncomfortable when it begins it's they went to go see girlies they didn't go to see baseball players they went to go see women and they didn't know that women could play sports the women showed they actually had their athletic talent and proved them wrong and then people started attending because of the athletic talent not just because i mean i think there's there was a play off of you know the allure of an attractive woman playing baseball but for some people it just was you know a true baseball game to watch and it was kind of competition but at yeah. first it was more of a oh let's go watch women in skirts play baseball mm -hmm. and almost like the men in the movie are kind of like dialed up to 11 all of them like each one is kind of just a uh, chauvinistic in a really big way even as like tom hanks enters or except for harvey <laughs> except for harvey um they all kind of play off the idea of oh women can't play baseball at first and then they're all convinced to a man that you know uh, the women are equals and i think what i really like about penny marshall's take is that she does nothing to discount the women like athletically there's not the usual team sport documentary thing of like these People aren't getting along and watch them fall over the field. Like the women are very um, competent straight off the bat, so to speak. Penny does have a montage of them at tryouts showing mm. their athleticism. And Penny actually made all of the actresses, including Madonna, physically try out and play baseball to prove that they could play baseball. Like they went through full on tryouts. And then they actually went through practices and learning the talent and learning how to do the skills and some of it is stunts i mean gina davis is catching a foam baseball when she does some of the you know the more stunty stuff but overall they are actually doing a lot of the skills Absolutely. the bruise on one of them that's a legitimate bruise that she had for like two weeks um, and then penny marshall does so it's the practice that she has the montage and then the other montage is they want to draw people to the game and so they capitalize on doing athletic stunts and sliding and doing the splits and catching behind their back. And it's all athleticism with flair. Men do the same thing in sports. It's no different. It just happens to be women. And it doesn't make a Men big do the same thing. Yeah. That. No, um, it's it just doesn't how women them. do it differently. I guess in some ways it does judge its characters in ways that can like kind of lean uncomfortably um i mean all I, the way may is like oh what happens if my bosom falls out and like you know my breasts actually get exposed yeah <laughs> and then the comment and, is who hasn't seen your breasts i mean <laughs> right. that gets shut down so fast but it's very in character for her i guess that's like, what, well, I, was what I have to offer i can offer this and they're like it's they completely dismiss it and go right back to the baseball and even like Megan Kavanaugh as uh, Marla Hooch is kind of like played for last as like a physical presence. But um, I think why you grow not to hate it is that the other players set their bags down right away. They stand up for her as a woman and they include her in their group. If they, they did not see do her that, talent, they yeah. accept her for who she is, they accept her talent. And she's the one who finds love. She's the one who yes. gets married <laughs> and is accepted for who she is. Yeah, it is really a movie about her inclusion in some ways. So I think that's why I don't judge it for being like a physical comedy at the fault of like her character traits. It's I don't think that's what Penny Marshall wanted from those scenes. Um, I think I do think she wanted the largest audience she could get. And I think she plays into that. Gina Davis, of course, is just really stunning on the screen. There's no real way around it. She just looks model S always. Davis was big she was coming off of another film at that time and everybody was intimidated to act with her at that time and then madonna was big at that time and madonna put in the work madonna was working harder than everybody else because she wanted to be taken seriously and, and everybody her... was admired for the fact that she was writing a song for the film and physically doing all of everything baseball everybody else was madonna did not hold back at all it brings me to my other uh, favorite sports film, Vision Quest, about wrestling in Spokane area, oh, <laughs> where Madonna 
Madonna plays like the a girlfriend or like this girl at the bar and she does like a really beautiful song that kind of plays off like what her history is in this and uh, there's a little bit of interconnection there in a weird way uh but but is Washington area wrestling I guess that's my sport I was a wrestler and that's okay. my family lineage uh see uh Greco-Roman it's it doesn't have to be all American sports <laughs> on this podcast uh <laughs> Tom Hanks also shows up and is like kind of immediately like unlikable in a really likable way i very endearing this was during tom hanks's like comedy phase early on in his career and hmm. he you hated him he was terrible i mean even his urination scene they hooked up a hose <laughs> yes. for like for it oh did they yeah they hooked <laughs> up a hose <laughs> uh, just so the water stream and they could get like the effect and they had so much fun with them. They said that he was entered because people came, the audiences, they had like actual people just show up in the audience um, and extras and he would entertain them and do puppet shows and he would physically <laughs> entertain the extras in the audience in between takes and in between the games because they were live games and they were shooting and he would go all out and just entertain people and really, because he was a name, he was up and fledging, but people knew who he was. And so he would sign autographs and they said he would put a baseball hat on a stick and do like little baseball hat puppet shows and that he would tell jokes and he would do like quotes from movies and he would just, you know, really try to keep people entertained so they wouldn't check out while they were sitting reading between takes. That's important. It's important to have that uh, uh, showman at the center of it who's playing the manager of the team and uh, it never and really becomes about him. And then he would go to be drunk him. at the the next scene like it just shows you know his <laughs> acting ability and that he was committed like he was committed not just to the, the scene but to everybody who was there to observe oddly my favorite hank scene is when he throws the baseball mitt at the kid and then laughs hysterically in a reaction <laughs> shot oh that <laughs> so uh they they told the parent like okay we're not really gonna do it and then they did it they just did and it they got the <laughs> yeah it's penny penny being penny he's like yeah. well, sure, we're not gonna really do it though and then she told tom todd tom do it we're gonna we're gonna get a shot because <laughs> they wanted and they kept it because they did a couple where they like missed and then she's like no actually do it. it you know but don't do it hard yeah i mean it's worth it uh but that's penny marshall and her comedy like she also knew what would get the reaction and what the audience would enjoy but she wasn't gonna put the kid at risk she did it at the last shot she did all the other things and did the final shot um, so Penny Marshall was smart with how she did it. And she's coming into this in like the early 90s, a uh, woman director making a, a film about women's sports. Like, I don't have any from before then that like come to mind very well for me that I'm like, this is the women's sports movie before 92. That was like the, the defining, you know, I'm sure there are some, but this. There were movies after this, but I yeah. don't, I think, I don't know any of this scale. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think they're in the scale because Penny Marshall had done big in a couple other films, but there was nothing of this grand that um, wide market wise. And I, Tonya is maybe my favorite, but that's very women against women in a very obvious way. Eventually, it's not an ensemble. Um, Whippet is um, another, Whippet's good. Another solo aggressive, but I like it. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's roller derby. It's, it's also web, it's, it's woman directed. Mm hmm. And that's a benefit, I think. Uh, whereas I, Tanya, not woman directed, actually. Correct. So Which I can't quite I count it. it. Yeah. Um, and I, besides that, I just think it's such a notable thing because there isn't really that focus. And the men's sports movies are all kind of one note. They're all kind of the same thing. We've done them a million times. And that's not novelty. Uh, Some of them blend together to me, and I don't know which one's which. <laughs> Sure. I I mean, all the baseball movies that aren't Moneyball in this, I can't really tell you the difference between um, Moneyball is probably my baseball movie if I have one. And that's so not about baseball. It's not. It's inside yeah. baseball. Yeah. And that's kind I have of... seen that one because it's Aaron Sorkin and <laughs> yes. the script alone. But yeah. Yeah, totally. And it's I different. think that's what I want from a sports movie is I'm actually interested in the human stories. Uh I don't actually, even when I'm watching real sports, I think I just care about the humans playing and uh, I, I'm looking for storylines as a writer and, and someone who thinks in stories. I think I'm watching hockey or baseball, just thinking about legacies and, and what the story being told on the field is. 
I don't want the sport itself. I want to know how the people are affected by the sport and the camaraderie yes. and the team or the nature that's going behind it. And here with the league of their own, you have the men at war. And then you have that scene where the, there's women that have their husbands at war and the guy's like, well, I, somebody died. Like he's so completely lax tact with delivering somebody had died. And thankfully, um, Tom Hanks's character is like, I'm just going to take care of it. He's like, I'm going to step in for my players and take care of this for them. He recognizes this is big and it's going to impact them. And it's, mm -hmm. you see that level of character for everybody and just the impact of that behind the scenes rather than, you know, just yeah, that them playing ball. Yeah. I mean, that it starts as a difficult scene, but becomes something really beautiful. And, and it's kind of the transition where he becomes, you know, he was like a player for the Cubs originally. Then he became an alcoholic. And this is like his redemption arc in that way. Um, someone could say the movie's about that, but I think it's about the women. And I think he is just there in service of their emotional development anyway. Um, his, I mean, his alcoholism is just his storyline. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of how he became the coach. And, and you know, the, somebody had a coach. You have a story about how you kind of came to the film, like on on Letterboxd originally. I don't know if you want to get into that now. but I had been a fan of this film since I was younger. Okay. I had watched it on TV. I'd watched it with my family. Because um, growing up, my brothers played baseball. I never played sports. But my first Letterboxd entry, I was relatively new to Letterboxd. Um, and I was, I decided my first entry, because I didn't want to go back to it, right? Because I had watched mm -hmm. it, I don't know how many times. I really don't know how many times I've seen this. But my first entry was um, Penny Marshall had passed away during the week. And then my friend was in a car accident. She was hit by a car. And then she um, passed away. I got the notice that morning at work she passed away. And so I left work. I came home and I decided my friend would appreciate if I watched this movie, not on Penny Marshall. My friend did like this movie. Mm. Um, and so I just sat at home and just sat comfort in a movie that I knew and something that I didn't have to think about a film that I understood the plot that would give me laughs that would also bring about feeling it would also honor two people one Penny Marshall and two my friend whereas one that I could watch with her and honor her watching it and I sat at home with my dog in a blanket and just allowed my feelings to be and go through the wave of I, I knew she was gonna pass away but it was acceptance that she they they donated her organs and she was gone and just kind of processing through all of that and then I just my letterbox entry was pretty basic but I just made the entry and was you know I didn't make a big deal and put anything on it but I know the date I know when I watched it and my heart and my emotions I know exactly when I made that entry. And then I think I made like a second entry when I watched it again because I hosted trivia for it not too, like maybe six or something months ago. And mm. I watched it probably two or three times pulling all this information that I knew in my head, but also random details that I knew would be funny or, you know, so I just watched it through and watched it through. I'll put it on the background at work and would randomly pick things off. I ended up coming up with 30 questions that I submitted. So I made, out of the three times I watched it, I made one letterbox entry. I thought that was fair. Yeah. Um, and then I submitted the trivia to the person and I gave him 30 questions. And he was like, Renee, we only need 10. I go, well, you can choose <laughs> out of the 30. Choose some the of 10. Them, I go, some of them are similar, but they're written differently. Some of them, it depends on how hard you want to get. I go, how many people are going to know that the sisters were from Oregon? I go, that's just an innocuous detail that I know. It does come <laughs> so, up. but uh, It comes up in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so it's just that, you know, useless information that I have. And so then I was, um, I dressed up in costume and I hosted it. And there were a couple of people that dressed up in like just baseball uniforms. Mm -hmm. But I was full on outfit. Uh, so that was really fun. That was probably maybe six months ago who knows 
Okay. Well, it, I mean, it's so nice when you have those experiences with movies and you have those connections to your friends. And I mean, that's like a watch you'll always remember. And I think the movie might always bring you that uh, kind of relief in a way, right? Um, it was, yeah. It was definitely, um, there's been other times where I've gone through some emotional and hard stuff and I've sought comfort in films or I've gone to films where I already knew them and I watched them enough to where I could just be present with myself. And this was one of those films where um, I knew there wasn't going to be surprises. I allowed my feelings to ebb and flow with the film and I didn't need to allow myself to be anything. I didn't, you know, no expectations. Like my, when my father-in-law was in the hospital, I brought him my iPad and we watched the big sleep together and it was the last film he would ever see. And I just think like, what what a wonderful thing movies can be for us that they can uh, I'll never think of the big sleep without some connotation of what that means now um, and I, I doubt you'll ever look at like a league of their own without a connection to your friend and, and Penny Marshall's memory and that's a really good thing but you also have all this a uh, new context for it as well I think it's for me there's um it's more about just honoring Penny Marshall and mm -hmm. the actors and actresses but there's times where there's other things where this was not my friend's favorite movie, just one that I knew she'd appreciate. Of course, and so yeah. out of like the millions of film choices I had, <laughs> you know, I grabbed this one. Um, Cause it was more about, um, you know, just in that moment. Um, Cause mm. it was just like, I probably sat at home for like a half hour quarter to side. <laughs> but recently um, it has even a bigger uh, meeting. I was, I was attending Emerald City Comic Con, which was in March of 2023, and planning my costumes as I do because I attend um, in every single day a different costume. And I had like four of them picked out, and then they announced Lori Petty, who plays Kit, the pitcher. And I was like, I'm changing my lineup. <laughs> I am you had going to change it. <laughs> oh, I yes. Yes. I was like, I'm going to get my photo with Lori Petty dressed as. A page and so i figured out what day she was going to be there and then i bought a photo ticket to get a photo with her dressed as a peach i already had um a fake bat that i knew was safe to bring and i was just prepared and it was hilarious because throughout like the whole weekend there were other people dressed up as peaches and other people getting photos with her and just throughout i could just spot people throughout swap people throughout the whole entire environment and it was a lot of fun and then sunday surprisingly there wasn't a lot of people dressed up but mm -hmm. i was and so i i had my photo shoot early in the day um the staff told me um we can't touch her we can't ask her holding props i'm like okay no big deal i've done this i don't know how many times with actors so mm -hmm. i was prepared and then she goes can i hold the bat and i was like uh, yeah, sure yeah but I think she's realized how shocked I was and so we posed and then she's like was I not supposed to I'm like they told us we weren't supposed to ask I'm like you're the boss yeah and she just started laughing she was so laid back she like and she, one of my friends um had drinks with her in the bar and she mm. was so chill the whole time she was just absolutely uh, just humble and just had fun with people and it was just, just a really fun experience just to um, have that moment and have it captured now in photo because I'm yeah. hit or miss whether or not I want to do an autograph or I want to do a photo, but I really wanted to capture that physical moment of me standing with her and having that as, as opposed to getting just an autograph. Absolutely. And um, Lori Petty, of course, plays the kid's sister in the movie, and I think she's really wonderful as well. <laughs> kind of being a little pesky and, and kind of frustrating in the movie, but also being the one that's actually committed to the baseball, like her character, her her she life revolves the around the team. She had the drive for it. Whereas yeah. like uh, Gina Davis's Dottie is kind of like in, indifferent maybe to the baseball, but seems to be athletic and there for her sister. I mean, it's unclear at the end if she's really going for it in that last game but uh, uh i mean she ends up going away and just getting married and, and having the kids and uh, maybe baseball wasn't her ultimate path whereas it seemed for kit that it might have been her path if the league continued is what I, I think i'm trying to say there. 
the question Lori Petty gets a lot is, um, you know, the question about the ball at the mm. final scene. Yeah, and was it she, meant to be dropped? Uh-huh. And she goes, only Gina Davis knows that, and she won't tell us. Oh, okay. So there is like, an answer. Well, but she she's so dodgy about it. So I've, I've also, like, looked it up, and she gets asked it a lot, like, you know. And she's like, she goes, you know, only, like, only she knows in her character. And nobody knows what, you know, if it if she if she intentionally dropped or not we don't know basically mm. she, you know she 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 answers it without answering it like she really allows the viewer to make their own interpretation based on what they wanted what it seems to me if she knows and has an idea that she meant to drop it but that's just my theory uh, i it, <laughs> what's yours more, i think she meant to do it for her sister because yeah, I it do was too. her sister's passion Yes. And but both, I mean, anything that I, anything I've read, read or anything I've heard between them, they're always avoiding it. They're always like <laughs> not pleading the fifth, but basically they're a, they're not they're trying not to answer it the best they can because they don't want to answer it. They want the viewer to come up with their own understanding of that, and that's what I appreciate. Is um, some people are like she gave it her all and that was all she had and she let it go and some people were like no she gave it up for her sister so it's it goes either way and it's what i love is the you know the great debate mm. um so you dressed up for the uh emerald comic-con and i did all four days all different <laughs> all four costumes. days what were your other costumes uh thursday was a like a punk version of emma frost and then mm. my roommate happened to be another X-Men character and we were laughing because it was totally not <laughs> planned. And then Friday was a pinup version of Maleficent. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday was Enid. I took forever making that wig. I even walked around with like eating like beef jerky, like eating meat for part <laughs> of it. It was absolutely hilarious. And then Sunday, uh, I walked around as um, a baseball player. I even had a bat. And it yeah. kind of came in handy because I could actually use oh. it to lean on and prop myself up. <laughs> For your photo shoots. Yeah. My, well, also just standing in line. So I of just course. had something to yeah. lean on. So it was Almost great. a walking stick. I, yeah, I did have a, I had a photo shoot with um, a new photographer who my uh, friend I was remaining with, she recommended. And I, I knew of the person, but we planned it and um, he knew what I was wearing. And so we kind of talked through it and it was a lot of fun we mm. just kind of went to three different areas in the new um seattle center at the summit they had like this school the school backdrop backdrop we thought it looked like you know a, the indoor of a the baseball dugout so we're like okay of we'll course yeah kind of get that vibe and then there was like this bright pink bench i'm like i want to sit on this it's gray pink <laughs> perfect then we went outside and I was like, I go, okay. So just like in the movie, if my skirt flips up, it's okay. Like I have planned, you know, underwear that are in theme underneath. Like it's a, it flips up, go ahead and grab the shot. You know, mm. it's fine. Like I understand it. And he's like, okay, didn't expect that. I'm like, just expect anything, anything can happen. Who knows? <laughs> sure. Things come out of my mouth. Who knows? And he's like, okay. So we did a couple of photos outside. <laughs> it was so windy. I got cold. Um, and then he gave them back to me and I loved them so much. I was like, hey, do I have permission to submit these to a cosplay magazine for publication? And so I chose eight. I didn't use the indoor ones. Outdoor, uh, I couldn't use based on there were people in the background. So there were some legal yeah. issues with that. But the indoor ones I submitted, um, I asked him which ones were his favorite and he gave me four and then I grabbed another four and submitted them and they were accepted and i got in the very end of the publication i physically have the publication here in my house like they mailed it to me i usually get a printed um printed version because it's that's cool yeah what and magazine so, did you end up getting in um i regularly use a retro lovely magazine it mm -hmm. is a pinup magazine and they do cosplay and since this is like the 1940s and they're kind of in the skirts have that pinup vibe it totally fit right in with their aesthetic. Do you combine those two things a lot? Do you do cosplay and then submit to them? Or is that kind of like a combined part of your passion for like the dressing up? Is it, uh, do you plan to submit photos? 
sometimes yes, sometimes no. Uh, if the photo shoot meets a certain standard that will work for publication, then I go for it. There was one where I contacted the photographer with the intent, my Enid one. I were doing it with the intent to, to publish it. And so he's taking his time to edit it. Some of them, um, it's just for fun. It's literally just me being absolutely silly, dressing up and just, this is what that photo shoot was intended to be, just me having fun. But I fell in love with his quality. His quality was fantastic. And mm. so I'm like, hey, do you mind? And so, of course, I asked permission and we went with it. Um, there's been a couple photo shoots where I booked the photographer with the intent of publication. There's two I have coming up where um, it's um, Madame Mim from A Sword in the Stone. We're going to publish, okay. try for publish that one. That one will be hilarious. Um, What's the other theme? Do you know? This, uh, that one, so it's a, it's a Disney specific um, okay. magazine they're doing. They're all Disney um, costumes. And then the other one, she wants to do a fairy and do some graphic designs. So I'm, I'm game for it. I'm like, let's go cool. for it. Because it's Tinkerbells and fairies are my thing. Um, mm. But it's one thing I love about films is that it inspires me to make costumes. It inspires me to make outfits. And with The League of Their Own, I had owned the Rockford Peaches outfit for years. I even wore it. Like my, my work was doing like this silly, like, uh, rec league baseball and I wore the outfit okay. to go and keep score Perfect. and they, they knew I was showing up to like because they were short somebody and I'm like well I can uh -huh. show up and keep score for you guys if that's what you need so we can play but don't expect me to play and they're like yeah okay sure and I showed up in costume and my all my coworkers were just laughing so hard oh no and the that team, was a, we a were, good laugh oh yeah they, okay. were, they weren't surprised and the team they were against they were like what is going on <laughs> And, and the girls from Rockford show up. You know, it's real. It was just me by myself. <laughs> Keep in score. Yeah. Um, and so, but my coworkers, because they know I attend Comic-Con, but they had no idea I had this outfit. And I just show up to the rec league to, to keep score. And they were all just laughing. But, like, it was one summer. We just, like, our office just played, you know, rec baseball with Everett Parks and Recreation. Mm. And then... There's been a couple other films where I've just fallen in love with a character or fallen in love with a film and I decided to make a costume out of it because it just inspires me. Hmm. And, or I just love the costume so much. You said you like uh, fairies and, and Disney. Is that kind of where you specialize in? What's your favorite character address as? Uh, it's... I think it varies. Um, hmm. I do a lot of uh, Leafeon from Pokemon Go. That's that's a recurrent sure. one. I do a lot. Um, I have a couple versions of that. I have a few versions of Poison Ivy. Mm. And then I have I think two or three Emma Frost. I mean, she's psychic. She doesn't <laughs> want a psychic mutant. And we are Fantastic. Pokemon. We are Pokemon Go friends now, we and uh, it's it's such a great thing because you get you know from wherever your friends are, uh, just like notices and postcards, and it kind of connects you to your spaces in a fun new way. I'm fine. I'm super competitive compared to you, though. You are <laughs> oh, very much so. Okay, I don't know if I'm in the competitive part. I just like take my dog for walks. I I wonder if I'm playing the game as I'm meant to. Oh, um, I, I I I'm very competitive. Okay, you are. What do you do? Like, what's the competitive part? Am I missing out on like? Do um, I need to go do gyms? Yeah. So, for example, like in baseball, how you have a team and then you mm. battle each other. I do that in Pokemon Go. I have my teams and I battle each other. You go battle like real people. Maybe I need to figure out like these raids and. Well, raids you play with the team and you play against a boss. Okay. Um, but I I play in gyms and then I put my Pokemon in a gym and then I just want to hold it so I can get my 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 coins my money so <laughs> and you're then, one of the you're one of the people that send the cool postcards so i always try to think of like okay what's my next cool postcard i could send you and my other friends who don't just send me like a uh, subway or starbucks every day 
well, okay, I usually send you the two decks to my house, which one is a base? Oh, one. yeah. You get that okay. one a lot. And then when I go up north to Arlington, I'll send you that one. And then the other ones are just pretty random. Um, yeah. Um, I have... But usually if it's the baseball field, it's literally me sitting on my couch with a poker stop right by my house. By next oh, you have it that field. close. That's that's oh, almost yeah. cheating. I, I have two. No, it's okay. not. I, I, literally, <laughs> I literally built a poker stop. I put one you next to one. my house. Yeah, there is a um, there's a Chinese restaurant right next to my house. <laughs> I went outside, I took the pictures, I made a poker stop. <laughs> that's amazing. So I have two. I didn't know yeah. you could build them. Uh... When you're a certain level like me, you can. <laughs> okay. Again, cool. <laughs> I'm competitive. <laughs> Yeah, uh, um, I just walk around the park, so I always get mine loaded with just like yeah. the local park where I walk my dog. Yeah, there's my dog has gone with me. On um, mm-hmm. back on community day, my dog and I went to Bellevue with uh, three friends, and we walked around um, with them, and we caught a bunch of um, of the Pokemon. Right now, I'm trying to catch all of the ones with flowers on them and get them. Okay, and then the I'll trade. Yeah, I'll I'll sit there and I'll trade Pokemon in mass with people to try to get lucky Pokemon because then they're higher ranked and then you can actually use them for special things. I'm obsessed with trying to get bigger and better Pokemon so that I can basically have a stronger team. It's basically like trying to, you know, improve improve my team, level up, or just get pretty ones. I just want like all the ones with flowers on their heads. Like I'm I just like pretty things. I got um, the Zatu, I think it's called, like the Native American totem pole uh, bird creature, and I just kind of fell in love with them right away. Maybe. Um, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> and I just kind of really liked him. I like Delmize, that's my other Pokemon, the one that's like an anchor and a steering wheel of a ship. He's like made of grass. Yeah. He's like a grass ghost spire fire ice type he's a very strange combination of things that usually don't go together um i mean one of my grass pokemon has a fire move which makes no logical sense but yeah i love that yeah let's let's go with that i love type play in pokemon Um, yeah Um, uh welcome to the pokemon podcast i guess uh uh, people are into that. I know my friends play the game. I know people who listen to this play the game. It's good. Well, if they're interested, they can find me on Instagram or Twitter <laughs> at pixie underscore bomber and hit me up. I can answer all the questions. Sure. Um, I'm I'm currently level forty four and <laughs> almost double mine so far, but I'm I'm newer to it. Well, yeah, I did. I started uh, a week. I started seven days in from launch, and then okay. I didn't. Yeah, so I've been playing it for a while. And then yeah. I took some time off in 2018, didn't play as heavily. And then I hit I hit 40 before December of 2020. I'm at 28, which I feel good about since I started four or five months ago here. Uh, which for you is about getting getting those raid bosses. You'll slowly and getting those up so yeah don't worry don't worry i'll I'll be able to make a stop like you one day but uh, i'm not there yet Uh, you have to be 37 or 38 i see how it is uh i'll just make them for you just tell me i'll come make them i make them perfect oh you do you can make them anywhere so um that's i just have to be physically in person but yeah of course um uh should we go back into any parts of the film i feel like we kind of diverged from it but i i think we could kind of wrap up with the film as well i mean i did make baseball references yeah yeah you made more baseball references even in pokemon go you were coming back on subject and i kept diverting yeah. to my uh totem pole yeah. pokemon um yeah uh i think it's such a likable sweet movie like i said all the things that seem like they would be off like there's um not quite the queerness that uh, everyone says exists and you said but you watched the it, amazon it, so series in the 90s i mean it Movies in the 90s still weren't comfortable with discussing queer and homosexuality mm. back then. They were very uncomfortable, like, yeah. pointedly. And yeah. it's, it's, I was talking with a friend uh, when I was doing trivia, and she's like, oh, I could tell it was a gay film when I was watching it. I agree. But most people couldn't. And I very much agree. I think it's very gay. <laughs> I think the restraint. uh, Oh, complete restraint. I think like the restraint of not doing it almost makes it. uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm in the right. I'm not the right person to say it, but I think it makes it physically like 
has like a gayer energy because there's so much restraint and not acknowledgement that I feel like it's winking at us constantly. There's there's a subtlety to it where it people who aren't paying attention and don't want to see it won't see it. But people who are within the community and allies, they will see it. Hmm. So it's of that. As you mentioned, the TV series, as soon as it was coming out, I was all for it. Hmm. And then I, I knew they were going to push uh, the storyline in the Negro League, which the film barely touches the Negro League in one scene. Right, like the, the um, baseball Marshall, nearly goes through the glove. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't originally in the script. Uh, Penny Marshall literally added that in uh, quickly hmm. with the Negro League, recognizing, you know, again, Important the subtlety and the nod um, that she could be a baseball pitcher and she overthrew it to somebody else and there was heat behind that ball and the uh the the receiver or the catcher or whatever who's the catcher she just received the ball. Mm-hmm. she felt just the heat behind that ball and in the tv series they go into the negro league because the player she wants to try out and they said you don't look like them you're yes you are a woman but you don't look like them i'm sorry you cannot play like if she gets turned around because she's black Hmm. Um, and then it's there's a couple storylines there's the all-american league baseball storyline and then there's the negro league storyline and interwoven in all of that is a very obvious very clear gay relationship storylines throughout all of it but also it's self-acceptance or and how they have to hide it even like there's the um the chaperones that there's in the the that t- the film there's chaperones in the tv series because it was the 40s um women couldn't wear pants they got fined for wearing pants mm-hmm. just this which if you go back to watching the film they're not wearing pants no. but it just wasn't handled in the same way in the tv series they say you cannot wear pants and the character's like what do you like what do you mean she's like i'm just from canada i grew up wearing pants because i'm from a farm like (laughs) yeah not even dawn on her she's like she wore them for utility and then she couldn't yeah well as the story develops you realize that she's gay and she just Mm -hmm. doesn't she's leans masculine she's still like wearing dresses but they, they help her out and they kind of like, you know, their teammates, like, hey, put this dress on. Like, you know, they remind her and they, they take care of each other. And it's the series, it grows and I love it in different ways than I love the TV series. Some people don't love the TV series, which I do, mm-hmm. because it's not the film. And I get that. Yeah. There are nods. There are, there's a, a few little things here and there um, that pull from the film but they say this is not the film uh they pull from it the tv series is different because they actually take real stories from the baseball players and they Mm -hmm. write those stories in there whereas the film writes around it like they're inspired by them whereas the main character she is literally three women all in one and her stories are based on like two characters all Mm. together and like they took their time they did their research they had the women there as part of it in the baseball stadium watching it and consulting they even had them consulting on language and how to swear and what to swear oh interesting just to that level of detail seems like it's more literalizing like what actually happened whereas i i think the film is so charming because i find it inherently gay anyway in a way that it's like uh, women outplaying softball at that period of time without men uh there's there's vibes there and there's uh i i know like penny marshall like took like kind of pains to kind of like recut scenes that felt too gay or uncomfortable which is unfortunate maybe uh rosie has said that i believe um, Rosie has been very open about it, yeah. Yeah, and where, Rosie's uh, like the scene with the letter, and um, there are a few where uh, Penny Marshall just really wanted to recut it. Uh, but then Rosie's in the TV show, right, in a bit part or a different part. 
I wasn't going to say anything, oh. but yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> is that a spoiler that she's in? No. Um. I mean, it's it's public now, but at okay. the time, it was a big surprise. Of they, all, the, all that the fans knew is somebody, somebody from the TV series was going to be in there. We didn't know mm -hmm. who. We didn't know of what capacity. And it's not the same role, but Rosie is in in a capacity that makes complete sense. It works for the TV series. It works for Rosie as herself. And as they were writing it, um, the the writers met with her early on and they said, hey, we're writing this. We want to talk to you about your history with it. We want to include you. How can we include you? And But we want to honor you. And so she was included in the whole process. And so the role came about just authentically and naturally. And it, it works. And it's really shown evident. Uh, and it's, I think it really does her justice from where Penny, I think, withhold, withheld Doris's role a little bit. Because um, growing up, I always wondered, I'm like, is Doris queer? Like, yeah. is, Doris, is Doris in love with May? Like, I think very much. Yeah. And I was kind of like, I was like, I always wondered, I'm like, you know, and even young, I was like, something was off, but I didn't have the language to put towards it when yeah. I was younger. And as I grew, I was like, oh, this makes a little bit more sense. I think it's gay coded in the, in the original film, but it, just being able to be explicit about it and actually let the women pursue those relationships is just so powerful to do now. So. I'm glad there's, there's certain that alternative. Midwest states and certain southern states that don't want to believe that. And they yes. got so upset. Oh, they and always there, will. There's yeah. certain sect of people that just get so upset because the TV series just ruined it. it yeah. No, the TV series <laughs> just embraced it all. It just and embraced what was there and keyed into it, I think. And it just uh, allowed it to be present and allowed it to be truthful. And that, that's just hard for people. If you haven't made them upset, do you feel like you've succeeded? I mean, uh, in some way, maybe they need to be upset. For, um, uh, if you're really pushing a boundary, I, maybe they'll respond. I don't know, because I'm, I think about how some people interact with me. And it's mm -hmm. like, if people make me upset, do they succeed? No, yeah. I just have a mouth and I voice myself. Sure. So I don't know if it's about making people upset. I think it's just sometimes honesty makes people upset and that's yeah. how you succeed you succeed by being honest and people are recognizing that honesty and it makes them uncomfortable no i don't think by being authentic you're just trolling the south yeah. i think it's a it's a real thing and yeah. real lives are lived that way in a in a way that they don't always see and uh you know uh one of the first signs of like processing something is is anger and that's like an immediate reaction people have uh, when they're not able to process something, it doesn't make sense right away to them. Um, so those conversations get difficult and dicey quick, but I think I it's worth doing. It's, I don't think it's just the South because yeah, I am a very notable fan of Hallmark movies, Christmas movies. <laughs> You've seen most of them, right? A lot of them. <laughs> a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And um, funny enough, like when I watched this, when I needed comfort, I didn't go to a Christmas Hallmark movie, even though her death was during the Christmas Hallmark season, I went to this movie, which always was interesting. I sought this for comfort and not Christmas Hallmark, which is my seasonal comfort. I came here. It's but Christmas Hallmark, they do have a certain demographic that they reach. And I think that demographic was also upset about the changes that were made in the TV series. Mm -hmm. It is a conservative white heterosexual woman base that got upset yeah it's the same base that got upset over the tv like it's a very interesting prospect of people and it's not necessarily just the south i think it's just a oh, i mean uh... your people don't want to accept anything that is different from themselves i grew up in like cornfields in the midwest partly and i just saw a lot of it there and it's all over america it's in america a yeah. universal problem actually but uh, one that really in a conservative church in like stevens oh yeah i mean <laughs> I, yeah, I, grew up in a town, I am a, a in very open-minded individual a town called circleville which is like named after the shape of its town so you know that's brutal <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
and Ohio. You're in a circle, you're never lost. Yes, that's true. <laughs> or you're always lost. It's it's unclear if you're in a cornfield. Um, uh, we should have you back for like a, a Hallmark movie also for Christmas because I maybe seen like two of them and it would be fun for me to like investigate them and like try to figure out what it is and if you're up for that <laughs> you really want to do that to yourself i, I mean we can i kind of do like if you know of like <laughs> i don't know if there's like a series of them to me they all look like a uh, woman or a guy in like red and green shirts and i can't like tell <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to differentiate from like a hundred of them um but... a lot of them are the same there's a few that okay. differentiate but it's the tropes are true the tropes are so true i saw there were like two that were like called sister switch and they had like the same premise but like almost yeah, you take me in that oh yeah okay yeah <laughs> you take me in that that's right and it's just uh I, maybe that's the one then maybe it's like a sister switch kind of uh thing it's, around it, Christmas there's one time. taken from one sister's perspective and the other film is taken from the other sister's perspective and the sisters are legitimate <laughs> sisters and they're actresses okay. Maybe yeah. that's one of them, and I just like you know I have all of December, and maybe I dive through a bunch of them, and we, um, you try to educate me about like what. Well, they start in they start around Halloween in October, so you have plenty of time to find the right ones. That's right. Do you start in like Halloween season, or when's your like? Because I know you're like an advocate for the brand. Um, I don't want to disclose when I start because okay. people might get mad at your podcast. January is it? <laughs> no, is it okay. I have restraint. <laughs> Um, I have to go back. I actually, on my letterbox, which is, I do have a list of my watch list for all of Christmas movies. So any Christmas okay. movie I watch, I put in my Christmas watch list on letterbox and I just log them all. And I try to start with The Nightmare Before Christmas, which of course. is it's that the transitional movie. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes a Hallmark Christmas movie will sneak in before that bridge. Uh, so it's it's for sure Halloween. But like usually I wait till November first. But mm. occasionally, if it's on in the background while I'm working, and I have the Hallmark Channel while I'm working, it's you know I can't. What be are blamed. you going to do? Yeah, you can't be blamed for what you do. If... <laughs> I can't be blamed for my own choices. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean Hallmark. It's just the. Uh, I mean, it just seems like something you do around that season, and that's a comfort. Just doing something regular, I find very comforting. Yeah. I mean, I typically, so like the big list I have is like the MCU ranked list, the Disney canon and the Pixar canon ranked list. And then I do my holiday, my entire holiday list. It does not include movies I've seen more than once because some of these Hallmark movies I have actually seen more than once. Okay. And do I cry every single time I see this? Yes. Because I've seen it multiple times and it makes me cry without fail. I don't know how it's like it is magic through the snow and the kiss in the snow and then i cry i cry with joy well i my biggest list is about westerns so if you know of any hallmark westerns maybe that's where where we start you yeah. you seem to not know any hallmark no westerns. there is one but it wasn't hallmark there is one okay okay is yeah. it like a lifetime no okay. it was like this random it wasn't good like the 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 voice the adr wasn't good and it's actually a queer um it's like a ranch it's like a women on a ranch and they're gay which is totally not okay. hallmark hallmark does have like a couple of gay movies uh but there's they're a expanding one. right they are yeah i've got super excited about um just like so like a league of their own and how you they didn't have gay characters hallmark was the same way for a while where there was a character who was gay in the background or it was a side character who was gay but now they've actually had a character who was a lead character and they were gay it was okay. actually a really 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 good movie i really okay that one. maybe that's uh, one i'll look at too because that yeah. interests me i i want to see their diversity oh, actually but... i really liked it um they're getting better with color diversity too mm-hmm. but the one i'm specifically thinking of it wasn't by hallmark it was by like a really unknown thing and i think it was on amazon prime okay I found it. um it was about like a, a woman rancher and then they hire this other rancher and like then these women go on this blind date yes they have to be in the same town and they're gay and then they realize oh hey we have to work together this is awkward <laughs> i i think <laughs> i fun. see the appeal uh do you know yeah. douglas cirque movies kind of like soapy like uh really like bright colors like lots of 
snow and like effects and like almost like a TV. So um, I could see kind of the appeal. Oh, like, it's orchestrated. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the, these are orchestrated. Okay. Um, yeah, I think like through that lens of like the 50s romance movies, I think I could kind of see where Hallmark starts to be formed like in Americana, like marketability way. Um, but I, I might have a lot to learn too. <laughs> uh, I've seen what two or three of them. So, I mean, they're they're wholesome. You can watch it with your kids. You might get bored. Yeah, uh, sure. Um, all that heaven allows is one I'm thinking of, which like takes place in the winter. It's about like this like rancher, like forester, who just like works on his garden. But then his wife leaves and goes to this rich guy. But he's like such like a, you know a natural man that he like wins her affections back and it's just like a fun thing about classism but also like beautiful romance with like bright technicolor and snowbound and kind of of the earth it's really beautiful uh maybe i'd recommend that to you maybe that's another thing to look at um but if we could combine that with a hallmark movie that might be like a fun double bill for the winter so i'll do a first watch of that and then i'll try to find mm. something equivalent yeah Okay. Or just your favorite Hallmark movie or movies, okay. and I can watch this. It could be a pair because Hallmark There's is. A I think you think it's about quantity too, like just having that uh, thing that you can count on. I think Hallmark it's something is, like that. Hallmark is this weird thing. Um, they haven't done. I haven't seen any baseball Christmas ones because baseball isn't at Christmas. I feel like hockey Hallmark needs to happen. Yeah, um, so I maybe I need to write you. them. I was thinking hockey Hallmark for you, but I don't think they have it. Because uh, yeah, too Canadian. Oh no, they film in Canada all the time. That's what I was thinking. Okay, uh, I, I'm gonna write them uh, after this episode and uh, ask them for my hockey hallmark. Uh, I mean, they definitely do ice skating all the time for dates. So I mean, mm. why not? Right? They could do like a stuff. cutting edge, like you know, one guy's topic. a hockey player. She's a yeah, topic. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been a minute since I've seen that movie. It is a nice movie. It's it's not a bad romance movie. I like Cutting Edge. I like when they're skating around alone in the rink and it's all misty and yeah. Uh, maybe I get too sentimental about Cutting Edge, but I think it's a sweet movie. <laughs> Just the way I get sentimental. My favorite hockey movie is Sudden Death with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme because he uh, has a fight with the Penguins mascot and uh, puts his head through a shredder and I think that's just the best I hockey think I movie. saw that when I was younger. Really? I think I saw Sudden it Death. Baby. Yeah. Because my brother probably wanted to watch it or something, and I forget. Like most, okay. So most of the sports movies I have watched are because of siblings. I have an older sibling and a younger mm -hmm. male siblings, and I think a lot of the sports movies. And I was like, "Boys, it's a baseball movie, though, so let's watch a league of their own." So that's kind of how. Like, I was yeah. like, "Hey, you know, I'm trying." Uh, but me being, you know, the middle child and the only girl, like, I was just saku family movie night and watching whatever sports movies the boys wanted to watch i was the Which, oldest but i have you know four sisters and i i'm able to kind of play in like that arena too and and not really worry about it because i am the oldest i i mean i'm you know when you have sisters and you're a guy it's also easy to accommodate my parents made us like agree on a movie like they had us you know sure I think we had a really good chat. I think we covered a lot of uh, bases, so to speak. I, I've, I've made really so many the baseball puns. Yeah, rounded the plate, covered the bases, and uh, uh, I don't know anymore. You even baseball. had an interruption by my Alexa. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, seventh inning stretch. Is that a, mm -hmm. is that a baseball term? Yeah, that was a Pokemon thing. Yeah, <laughs> where the audience gets up and stretches and wonders how long the Pokemon bit is, but I think they might have enjoyed that the most. I, I enjoyed that part. Um, thank you so much, Renee. I really appreciate having you on again. Oh, and, not a problem. Uh, yeah, we'll find uh, other excuses to do it again because it's a lot of fun. If it if it if it fits naturally, like a glove fits on a hand, let's go. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Oh, no problem.
my conversations and I post them online for entertainment. It's nice to know. At least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world. Things have changed. Everybody's entertaining. Who's being entertained? Thank you. Yeah.